On this week's show, I have James Spurgeon on the show. We're going to go over another show about Kvike, but this time we're going to talk about a specific part about Kvike, which is the harvesting and reusing of Kvike. It's a little bit different than when you use a normal yeast, so we're going to talk all about harvesting Kvike on homebrewing DIY. recipes and taking good notes are two of the key fundamentals of making great beer. This is one of the first things that you learn when becoming a new brewer. I started taking notes on a sheet from my extract kit and then quickly moved to brewing software. I've tried many different types of brewing software and then I found Brewfather. This is the one piece of software that you need for recipes and very detailed brew day notes, as well as fermentation notes. Brewfather also integrates with some of the topics that we discuss on this show, like the till hydrometer, the ice spindle, and ferment track. You need no other piece of software than Brewfather. One of the best parts of Brewfather is that you can try it for free. All you need to do is head to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, and click on the Brewfather banner to sign up for free today. Once again, that's homebrewingdiy.beer, and sign up for Brewfather today. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruisin ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast, and that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruising. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard everywhere, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast, and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey 
and welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on a do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to James Spurgeon. We're going to talk to him about all of the ways that you can harvest and reuse Kvike yeast. We also talk about brewing in general and some different types of beers that you can make with the Kvike and different resources for finding different types of Kvike. It's going to be a very fun show, and already I want to thank James for taking the time to be on the show this week. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewingdiy and give it any amount. Once again, this support helps this show come to you week after week. If you can't give monthly, you can head over to coffee.com, that's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewingdiy, and there you can give a one-time contribution, and that way it's still going to support the show, but then you're not locked into having to do it monthly. So any little bit of support is going to help keep this show on the air and keep it coming to you. Because of your support, we've been able to make all kinds of improvements to this show, Recently, I've done things like been able to get a new input output put for my microphone setup. I'm actually using Patreon money to get a new editor for the podcast, not a human editor, but actually editing software. And all of those things are being paid for with the Patreon money that you're giving. So your support helps keep this show coming to you week after week. Another way to support the show is to head over to podchaser.com or head over to Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom of your app and leave us a five-star review. Those reviews help others find the show. We've been getting lots of reviews lately, and it's always good to see them. I also randomly just started doing some marketing to some homebrewers in the Philippines, and I was really excited to get some information out to that group. It's kind of funny, all of the different countries out there that are English speaking and would benefit from having a homebrewing podcast coming to them. So hopefully if you're listening to the show from the Philippines, I'm excited to have you listen. It's pretty exciting. Just kind of crazy when you look at the stats and you see where people are listening from. Very, very cool. Another way to support the show is to head over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer. You can click on the support tab and there's many different ways you can support the show or you can just use our sponsor banners. We're sponsored by Brewfather, uh, Brew in a Bag. So if you go to brewinabag.com and use the banner on our website before you go there, you can make a purchase and your prices all stay the same, but it then in turn supports the show. And just to talk a bit about what's going on in the world of homebrewing DIY, uh, a lot is going on. We've got a lot of different guests already lined up for the next few weeks. I'm, I'm very excited about having that all taken care of. And if you're a Patreon or a patron member, you would know that I've been pretty good lately about getting my shows out early. So for example, I'm recording this right now on a Tuesday. You're going to get this episode a couple days early if you're a patron. And then it's not that normal Thursday morning. Also, I've got a new assistant and I'm very excited uh, for Marie. You might see her around when you, for example, if you're a guest, she would be the person booking your show. And she's been helping me with all kinds of things that have to do with homebrewing DIY. I'm very, very excited. So if you run into Marie on my social media or anything like that, say hi to her. She's a really, really nice lady. 
other than that, let's jump into this week's show. I'm excited because we're going to talk to James Spurgeon about Kvike. I'd like to welcome James Spurgeon to the show. He's a, a, a home brewer out of Tyler, Texas. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, I brought James on the show. We've been talking back and forth for the last year about Kvike strains, and I thought he would be a great guest for the show because he's got this really cool process where he's harvesting Kvike and drying it and reusing it. So we're going to talk a bit about that process. But James, why don't you give me a bit of history of how you started brewing? So I... um... When I was 15, I bought my dad a homebrew kit, and so he was really big into craft beer, and of course I wasn't drinking yet, but about when I was about 20, we went to Fort Collins, Colorado, and did the New Belgium brewing tour, and I got really intrigued with the process and beer, and so as soon as I turned 21, I got myself an extract kit and brewed it with my uncle, and it was terrible. It was, I'm pretty sure we had a few bottle bombs out of that too, actually, <laughs> now that I think about it. And I did two or three more and then um, ended up moving to brew in a bag on a turkey fryer in the, on the back porch. And I've just, I've gone down the rabbit hole since then. I'm, I use an anvil foundry now. I'm indoors. I've got three chest freezers, 12 kegs, and I'm just, I brew every 10 days now. I, it's, it's kind of an obsession at this point. That's awesome. And and you've you're now mid twenties in a brew club and everything, right? Yes, sir. I am. That's awesome. Uh what's the what's the homebrew scene like in Tyler, Texas? Um, it's not too bad. I drive I actually drive to Longview most of the time. Most of the people in the club are in Longview, Texas, which is I think thirty minutes away or so. I'm outside of Tyler, so I'm kind of in between both Tyler and Longview. It's um it's the East Texas Brewers Guild. There are a bunch of good guys out there. Yeah, that's awesome. And how did you discover Kvike? Like, like how did how did you get about starting to use that strain of yeast? Because you've been using it for a while. So I got into Kvike when I moved from Windsor, Colorado to East Texas and got down here. I didn't have any temperature control. And so there was no way I was going to brew anything besides like anything with a Belgian yeast strain. So I had heard on a few podcasts before about Kvike. So I started looking into that and I ordered some and my local homebrew shop is actually about three or four hours away from me. So they overnight everything to me, which is really nice for $8. And I got some Voss from Omega and I brewed Omega's Voss recipe they have on their website, tossed it in the garage and like three days later it was in a keg carbonating and ready to serve by the end of the week. And I was just really intrigued. but. I don't like ordering yeast. I like, I, at this point I have a frozen yeast bank and I have a yeast bank full of dried Kvikes. And so to keep that going, I started um, the drying process. So when people dry their yeast, I guess from reading Lars' book, if you, I don't know if you've read Lars' book. I've read through that now, but that's a really good book with a lot of sourceful information. But um, Yeah, and, uh, I'll, I'll throw a 
bit of a plug here. We have had Lars on this show before. If you go back to February of this year, all pre-COVID, if you can kind of think about that, uh, and just before he released that book, uh, we had him on the show to talk about it. So uh, if you're going to go back and want to look at listen to a previous show specifically about Kavike, uh, go look up that show. It's a great one. Yeah, that is a good one. It's always good to hear Lars on the podcast. He's really great. He has so much information. I I'm on his website all the time when I'm when he posts something new. Which is his... which is which is funny because Lars is not a home brewer. He, I mean, he does do some batches for right. testing and things, but it, essentially he's a beer drinker and not a home brewer and a beer writer. It's 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 kind of cool to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love hearing him on here. And so I was on his blog and I saw him, I believe it was on his blog and, I, and his book also has a bit on dry and Kvike, but I saw that these Norwegian brewers and Lithuanian brewers, all these farmhouse yeast cultures were being dried and reused and stored for years. And so I, I thought if I can do that myself, I don't have to spend eight, 10 bucks on a pack of yeast and shipping every time I order so why not save money and keep drying these? So I went and I watched several YouTube videos. Um, I think there's a, a blog, the Sui Generis blog, maybe, if you've ever seen that, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, that's uh, that that's Brian, and he's also been on this show. Uh, he does yes. the the, ho- the Home Yeast Lab Made Easy series, which is great and highly recommended as well. Right, he has a lot of information. So I just started researching a lot and trying to figure out how I could get this yeast and not have to buy it again and just keep reusing it and so um, to start with you want to check your you want to check with what yeast you have because certain yeasts if you go on Lars blog he's got a registry of farmhouse kvikes and farmhouse yeasts and you can go on there and I've got it pulled up here I've just got it pulled up on number one Sigmund you'll see that um, for the most part with number one Sigmund it was harvested at 84 hours after pitching and he and they harvest it from the bottom slurry so um if you wanted to keep if if you had like number one sigmund instead of the isolate boss you'd want to i mean either way but you would bottom harvest and what i do is i take a pan i line it with paper towels and then i get parchment paper and i take a, a sanitized stainless spoon and i carefully if it's the bottom slurry i'll take the slurry and i'll just spread it across and like a big circle as much as I can spread out on this pan and I will set it in the oven and my oven's temperature lowest temperature is way too high um, you want it around 100 degrees I believe 100 degrees is the higher end and so your, your oven is very sanitary because I mean you're baking in it at 400 degrees all the time it's one of the cleaner parts of your kitchen and so you take this and you set it in the oven and about 48 hours it's dried up into flakes and I take the parchment paper, I crush them up, and I bag them in um, Ziploc baggies and label them and then store them in the freezer. But strained, or not strained, I'm culture dependent or if you have an isolate, um, I like to look at the Lars registry because it'll tell you like, I think if I pull up Hornendal here, number five, um, Hornendal has eight strains and then I believe Omega's is also all eight strains and they would harvest it from the top at 48 or 40 hours after pitching and so so let's talk let's talk about that a bit so dependent upon strain is dependent on whether it's going to be top harvested or bottom harvested is that correct 
That's correct. Unless it's an isolate from a lab, so it doesn't really matter because you're not going to be changing. Um, you're not going to have different strains growing faster or slower and outcompeting each other. Ah, so like for example, if you get a, uh, if you got like a, a natural culture, let's say you knew somebody in Norway and they sent you some of their yeast, it's probably a blend of anywhere from five to ten different types of yeast in one in one type, right? It's non-isolated, right? Right, okay. and it may have bacteria too. Yeah. So and not then, all. Yeah, not all of them are a hundred percent yeast. Right. Okay, and then and then if you get one from a lab, you know it's it, it's an isolate, right? So for example, they didn't. Right. They're not. They're not just reproducing it. They they've even isolated it down to maybe one or two different strains. Then at that point, uh, you know that it, it you it doesn't matter if you get it from the top or the bottom because it's all one yeast in there, right? Right, right. And I do believe if you top crop it during high, is it, I believe Croizen, if I'm pronouncing that right. That is correct. High Croizen, um, it, it will be healthier, but it really, this Kvike is a beast. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna grow. It's gonna eat up all your wort, all the sugar in your wort. It's, it's, it's gonna take care of business. It's not, slow it's fast and um what's really cool though is talking about hornendal hornendal from omega is not an isolate they have just removed the bacteria so you're still getting the blend of i believe eight strains okay so i think that's really cool and i think the voss from omega is an isolate but um voss number one voss if you got it from the sigmund in norway is three strains of yeast okay and and so for example, why don't you give me a list of some of the examples of yeast that you have personally uh like reharvested? Okay, let me I've got this list right here. I keep it. So I I may butcher some of these names and I apologize for not knowing how to pronounce these, but uh I have number 1 Sigmund which I've used about 10 to 15 times from my original source. Plus I've used their law. I've used the Lollamond isolate and the Voss isolate. And then I've used, um, number eight, Tormod garden, number nine, Eber or Eber garden, number 10, Fram garden, um, number 16, Simonatus, which I believe is a Lithuanian farmhouse, not a Kvike. Um, I've got Mitbus number 17, um, number 20, Espe or Espe, E-S-P-E. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with these. And then number 41, Skara. Um, number 44, Jordal, um, which I believe is not a Kvike. I believe that's a Lithuanian. And then I've got several mixtures that I've gotten from like Maniacal. I've got several isolates from Omega. Um, I've got, I've gotten, I've got the Yeast Bay Lita isolate. Uh, Yeast Bay's got a lot coming out right now. Also, if you haven't looked into them, um, I've used the bootleg biology Oslo, which I really love that. Also, I know everybody knows about that one. Yeah. If you're looking for a clean beer, that and the, the escarpment crispy would probably be the road to go. Right. Right. And I, I've heard, um, Omega has released Lutra and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right either. I've been trying to get my hands on that. It's supposed to produce clean, um, pseudo loggers around 72 degrees Fahrenheit. And that seems really interesting. They've got, um, they've got a lot. I've seen a lot of people brewing with that that really love that and are coming up with some really clean beers that I'm going to have to try soon. 
I do want to get my hands on the crispy from Escarpment Labs, though I, I it's probably similar to Myscara, but I would love to try theirs too once it's available down here. Yeah, and 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 so example would be you're you're going to different yeast labs and talking to other home brewers to acquire these yeasts. Is that how you're getting them? Right, and uh, I actually have gotten a lot um, overseas from uh, there's a Facebook group brewing with uh, brewing with the Kvike that you can join. And there are a lot of people just trading, and I've gotten some from Australia, France, um, just some ran- just random European countries. I can't even remember. I've had several shipments come in that I've traded, and I've traded a, a lot with people in the U.S. Um, I send um, people all the time, like probably not all the time. I'd say once a month, I send out three or four um, envelopes full of a few different. I send five gram packets of these yeast, and. I usually suggest that when you get your yeast that you take one or two grams and you put it in a about a 300 milliliter starter and keep it hot, keep it 90 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it'll take off a lot quicker. You can get some lag times with the dried kvikes and if you, especially at room temp, it, like um, you definitely want to keep it hot, keep it aerated and um, I just mix that. I don't even decant. I just pitch the whole 300 milliliter slurry and and then I'll harvest from there and I'll keep the original, you know, whatever's left over three grams or so in the original bag I got it from and freeze it. And that way, if I ever get an infection, I've got the original source and I can grow it up from there. Yeah, that, that's always a great way to handle all of your yeast lab stuff is is try to keep the original and grow from there versus trying to use like sex, subsequent generations because then the yeast can change over time, right? Right, right. And so I've gone through, um, I got, let's just go with my number one Sigmund, which is Voss. And I've used it 10 or 15 times now, but I've still got the original source. And I just, well, my first brew, I bottom harvested it, dried it. And I, I can't remember, I got several grams worth of yeast. I, it, there was a ton of yeast, uh, more than I could ever use, really. And, well, I say that. But um, I just, <laughs> I took... I took a few grams and that's all I do is so, so with that say 20 grams or so I harvested I just take one or two grams grow it up and um, after about honestly it usually takes about 16 hours before I pitch so I, I plan I try to plan the day before and then I'm ready to pitch in the afternoon the next day and I'll um another thing that was is really cool is when I got the Omega Voss I stored a bunch of the slurry in a jar a mason jar in the fridge with just a little bit of the beer on top and then I took a spoonful of it every time and I've used that jar 10 or 15 times also just taking a spoonful out and that's over a year old that's probably 16 months old now and it still works every time I use it just a spoonful yeah let's talk a bit about the process of bottom harvesting a kvike and go through from the beginning Hey, I, I've I've got let, let's say I got a, a strain from you. I go and make a batch of beer from it. I get a, a large yeast cake from it. Why don't you walk me through that process and through the drying process in itself? So what I'm going to do is um, I've got this large yeast cake, and I'm going to take out like an oven pan. I'm going to line it with paper towels. So that's like then, a is that like a, a baking sheet for an oven yeah, pan? Like a, yes, sir. Like a baking sheet. And so I'll line it with paper towels and then I'll get two sheets of parchment paper on top. I like to have that second sheet so when I it's all crumbled up, I've got 
I've got the crumbles of yeast landing on that second parchment sheet because I'm going to take that, I'm going to get a stainless steel spoon and I'm going to sanitize that and I'm going to try to get a decent amount of covering. I'm going to try to cover the entire pan with a, a couple millimeters thick at least and I'm just going to go to the oven um, and I'm going to set it in the oven with the light on and try to keep it around 100 degrees Fahrenheit and, uh, and okay. it's going to take... And so you're using oh, the oven and light to heat the 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 oven versus turning on the oven right right because it'll be too i think my lowest setting is about 180 200 degrees fahrenheit yeah and that would way overkill right and so i'll leave the light on for about 48 hours usually to get this tried and just which hopefully no one needs to cook anything in those 48 hours but so your oven's tied up for about two days but I mean, there are other ways to do this. I know a lot of people use like food dehydrators and other means like that. But for me, the oven's really sanitary. I mean, the day before I've cooked something and it's a 400 degree oven, it's killed everything in there. And Kvike is going to outcompete anything also if you do get things in there for the most part. You don't want to get an infection, but it's something that you don't worry as much about. I still worry about it and I try to be as sanitary as possible. But at least I know in the oven that it's killed everything the day before when I use the oven. And so for 48 hours at 100 degrees, I'll, um, and so when I notice that it's finally dry, I'll pull that out. And I, I store, I like to store in Ziploc baggies. I get the small, uh, like tiny little Ziploc baggies and I'll fill, I'll take the parchment paper and I won't touch the yeast. And, um, supposedly from, I believe from what I've read that once it's dried, it's really hard for it to get infected. But, you know, you still want to be careful. You still want to be as sanitary as possible because sanitation is definitely, in my opinion, the most important part of brewing. At least in here at my house, I that's what I care about the most. I can't stand when I... I've only had two or three infections, but nothing's more heartbreaking than pouring that keg out the drain, down the drain. Oh, man. And so... I feel you. It's, I, I've, had it's, to, I've had to dump a batch. I think, I think that's just part of home brewing, but thank God it's only been once or twice for me as well. Right. So it, it's, it's heartbreaking after, you know, cause you, those brew days can be long brew days and then the wait times can be long wait times during fermentation and carbonation. And, and so anyway, when I get, when the yeast is dried, I'll pull out the, the pan and, um, I'll take the parchment paper and I'll use it to kind of break up the yeast because a lot of times I'll have it. It's going to, it's like a solid piece of yeast across this pan. And so I want it broken and crumbled up because I want to be able to pull a couple grams out at a time out of this Ziploc bag. And so I'll pull it out and I'll pour it into these Ziploc bags and then, um, time closed and I'll write down the date. I'll write down the name of the strain and then I'll store them in the freezer until the next time I use them. That's awesome. And then if you're going to, use it what does that rehydration process look like if you were gonna let's say i've got a batch of beer i want to make this week why don't you plan out a batch where you're gonna you know repurpose the yeast? so from what i've heard the general rule of thumb is people take about five grams on a, a normal and i say normal i say probably 1070 or less wort uh specific gravity and they'll take about five grams and pitch it dry and wait but what I like to do is I like to I like to make it last as long as possible. So I'll make a 200 to 300 milliliter starter and I'll just dump the flakes in there, put it on the stir plate uh, and try to keep it around 90 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit because 
there's a it's there's a lot a bit of a lag time with the dry yeast sometimes not always but certain ones have i've i've noticed like a 24 hour um lag time unless i've kept it hot and then it's like a few hours or so and it's taken off um, sometimes i'll even make that starter the morning of brew day instead of the night before and it's just when it's going and i'll pitch the whole 200 to 300 milliliter starter directly into the wort after i oxygenate and it's good to go just like that i haven't had any problems with any of the kvikes i've gotten overseas or um, any of the starters i've done except for a couple you know short or slow lag times with, at room temperature before i kept it up at 9200 fahrenheit so um, i definitely highly suggest doing the small starter method a lot of people like to under pitch and um, i'm not sure under pitching does affect flavors that much i've seen uh, there's a study by escarpment labs i don't know if you i listened to the podcast the other day with uh, richard price i'm not sure if i remember you guys talked about the they did their study on under pitch versus pitching and there wasn't a lot of noticeable difference um i guess chemically um looking at their study but i like to i i guess i did just under pitch yesterday um or a couple days ago i think you saw that i brewed um an imperial stout for christmas and I pitched um, Omega's Hornendal. I pitched one packet into an 1143 OG wort. Wow, that's a huge beer. <laughs> so um, I underpitched severely, and hopefully, um, hopefully it works out, um, and it's not too, I guess, estery. But even if it is, it's a it's a huge beer. It's uh, I tried to measure it out to about 100 IBU, which you know, give or take, whatever brew father was telling me. But um, I think uh, hopefully for if 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 it's true that yeast pitch doesn't affect um, flavor too much, then I don't think I have to worry too much about esters. Uh, it's taken off. It's been going. It was crazy. I had a huge blow-off tube, two gallons of headspace, and I was still worried that it was going to make a mess everywhere. Yeah, that's the, the thing about Kvike, man. It takes off, and it takes off fast, and it, and it chews through huge beers really fast. Like, normally don't get me wrong when you use normal yeast that you'll usually get a very aggressive fermentation with a large beer but they also kind of fizzle out and one of the things that i found at least with kvike is that it has this almost like endurance to large high gravity beers that i've not seen with other kind of tamer yeasts right right Right. I gave it a lot of yeast nutrient, about three times the recommended amount for a normal ale. Um, from what I've read, and I, I can't I can't say whether, I haven't tested this, but I basically just followed what I've read, and everybody seems to suggest using two to three times the amount of yeast nutrient, especially on smaller gravity beers around 1050 OG. And I'm not sure why. Um, I don't understand it completely, but... Um, Sometimes it seems as the Kvike has problems with lower gravity beers and needs that yeast nutrient to finish out. You know, I've actually heard the same thing anecdotally where people have said that lower gravity beers Kvike doesn't like as much. Though the one pseudo lager I made was like a 1049 beer. We did do a normal starter size. So I, I did I did actually a, a normal pitch or an over pitch in the Kvike world. And I had zero issues with it, and I didn't add any yeast, yeast nutrient. But the point is, is that you, there's a, it's something where I I personally think that at this point that evidence is kind of anecdotal. I'd like to see some people do maybe some, maybe do some tests and some side by side tastings to see if there really is a difference. 
Yeah, I'd really love to see that because I use a lot of yeast nutrient through these beers and I'm constantly ordering more yeast nutrient because I, for the most part, do 80% Kvike beers at this point. I'm always pitching, especially the just the Texas summer here. There's just, it's so hot outside and it's easier to almost just throw a, your fermentation vessel in the garage, cover it up so it's not getting any light and just let it rip Yeah. in the heat. Yep. It's kind of get, and I'm in Colorado and it's kind of getting to the end of summer and now nights are getting pretty cool. Whereas I, I think I would be more likely to just throw up my fermentation chamber and crank up the heat, which is another option as well. Right. In the winter, I, I just put it in the fermentation chamber and I've got heat mats or I, before I've used um, a space heater and kept the laundry room hot, but um, other people in the household don't like that as much to have a hundred degree <laughs> laundry room. So it, it doesn't happen too often. So they're, they're like, you were made to make beer in Texas, weren't you? <laughs> uh, right. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So, I really, I, oh, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I'm just saying, I just really love that I can just pitch it. I don't worry uh, about too much about pitch rates uh, with my normal ales or my lagers. I'm definitely trying to um, pitch a proper amount of yeast and really take care of the temperature. And I can just toss this out in the garage and let it go. And I don't have to worry as much. And I'm not sitting there. Um, I like to do like a, I like to start low on my loggers and then slowly raise the temperature up every few days. And I don't have to worry about that with these. I just hope to keep a steady temperature for the most part because I have heard and I haven't experienced it, but I have heard that there are some Kvikes out there that struggle with temperature fluctuation. If the temperature drops five or 10 degrees, you may stall out or you may not finish out. And I haven't experienced it yet, but that seems to be pretty common if your temperature fluctuations are, and by fluctuations, I mean dropping low, not raising the temperature. Yeah, so, so so you have a hundred degree day, but then it drops to the thirties at night, which you might get in a like desert climate, right? Right, that could, right. That could make it struggle. Where if you have a clo- more resi- more closely, like for example, less of a, sh- a swing. Let's say it gets to the mid nineties during the day, but then you have a low in the seventies. It's probably not going to be as big of an issue, right? Right. I, I think so. I haven't experienced it myself. I've just seen people talking about how. Um, I believe like 90 to 70 may cause problems for yeast like the Hornendal. And I think that's where I've seen most of it on these. Uh, I do a lot of like Reddit and Facebook groups and people talking about how their beer stalled out. And most people suggest to bring the temperature back up to 90 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit if you have a problem like that. And yeah. pitch more yeast nutrient and feed it a little bit and try to try to shake it up. Um I don't, I don't like that idea because I'm always worried about oxygenation after, after um, I use pure oxygen before pitching the yeast. I never want to touch oxygen again. I try not to. So that makes me a little worrisome, especially if I'm using like a bucket like a lot of people are or um, these like plastic carboys. Uh, I don't want to shake it up too much, but they say to kind of try to stir it up and rouse the yeast is a good idea if you have a stall like that. Yeah, and I think that's pretty standard 
yeast recovery methods when you're talking about even other yeasts, right? Right, right. I think yeah. so for the yeah. most part. I haven't ever had a stall, so I I can't attest to that. But yeah, I I've had very few stalls, and usually it's on on. Le- I mean, I had one time where I had a stalled yeast, and I was on the seventh generation of a SO5 that I had been repitching and reusing and repitching and reusing, and so it just needed to die, and it did. Uh, so, quick question for you, I. It, what what styles of beers are you making with these different strains of kvikes? Um, for the most part, I I've been doing some pseudo lagers. Um, I've been doing some pale ales, and um, I like to do um, New England IPAs. Um, I've actually done a, a sour or two now with them. Um, pretty much no hop it, and I, I got um, if you've seen Maniacal sometimes releases a Milk the Funk quick souring blend. It's got three or four different kvikes with all their bacteria and two or three lactobacillus strains added to it and uh, I pitched that into a low uh, they, they suggest five IBUs or less and I got and it was really awesome it was a hibiscus sour it, it just came out it tasted like a weird like straw not a weird I, I hate to say weird but like a strawberry lemonade and it was really great because there's a lot of lacto in some of the original cultures and so with low hot beers you're you can get a really nice sour that's not a, it's not a kettle sour but it's I, and i i try to keep those fermentation vessels separate but i've been making some cool sours out of it um i have a sour that's aging right now that i pitched the jordal which i believe is a lithuanian i think it's number 44 lithuanian farmhouse um culture and it's got a from what i remember a couple strains of bacteria in it and i pitched that as a primary and then pitched in several strains of Brett and some PDO and I've been letting that age since January. I'm hoping that soon next January or so I'm going to be able to open that up and try that and see how that came out. But I've, I've been trying to do everything with it. I've got that, um, an Imperial stout fermenting right now with the Hornendal from Omega. And I, I was going to dry that, but I got lazy and I, I decided I, I won't worry about it. I'll just get some more. It's, I'm worried that pitching into an 1143 might, make the yeast weak. I'm not sure if that's true, but it, it kind of makes me nervous because I haven't tried anything that big. It's my biggest beer by far, and I thought I'll just get another pack of Hornendal if I want to use it again. It wouldn't be too much to get one more. I do like to save money, but I'll get one more pack of the Hornendal. I, yeah. Oh, go, go yeah, ahead. The, and, and where, you know, we did talk a bit about where you're getting these yeasts from, and you talked about some Facebook groups. What, what are, where are you like, for example, if you're doing yeast trades, what was that Facebook group called and where would I find uh, it? It's Brewing with Kvike. Um, if you just search it on Facebook, it should be one of the top hits. There's another Kvike page, but I don't know how to pronounce it because I'll pull it up right now. And, um, and I and started I, and there. I, and just oh. as an FYI, I'll, I'll link to these in the show notes. Uh, you'll send, I'll have you send them over to me and, and we'll just do direct links. So if you have any questions, go in the show notes. You're listening to this on your podcast player and we'll have some links to these Facebook groups so that you can, let's make the community bigger. Let's get some more yeast out there, right? Right, right. Yeah, and the other page is Kvike and then it's a dash and then the next two words are in a different language and I believe they also mean Kvike, but... Um, that one's the, where I started first. That one's specifically more for trading Kvikes and buying Kvikes. 
and the, the brewing with Kvike is for both, but there's a lot more information and people posting recipes and experience. And so you can try to find whatever you're using and see how others have used it and how it attenuated, what temperature they brewed with and get some ideas of what to expect when it comes to yours, to you pitching it into your wort. That's awesome. And if it, are there other resources for purchasing Kvikes that you would recommend? Um, I... I mean, I specifically, I, I really trust using all the, um, the, you know, the major yeast companies that are out there. There, There's always some, and there's always new ones coming out on these. And a lot of them, I really like that they're taking out the bacteria in some of these. So people that are worried about that and don't want to use a separate vessel and don't want a soured beer, they can get those without using these. And, you know, when you get these from overseas using these Facebook groups, you always have you kind of have to worry about, I mean, what if the guy that sent it to you didn't, you know, he didn't take care of it well enough and has an infection. And so you're going to get an infected um, culture. So you could, so I like the fact that I can get a, a clean Voss from Omega or Lollamond or um, I think Imperial has, is it Loki? Maybe Imperial's Loki might be Voss. I, I yeah. think I've heard. I, yeah. And so I love the fact that you can get um, some clean, isolated, um, cultures or um i say cultures isolated strains or cultures of these strains and know that they're going to be clean um but i haven't had any infected um cultures come in from these groups and there's a, there's a um, several people that are known on these groups to be sending these out i've also heard of people going to yeaster bunny and i haven't checked them out myself but i've heard good things about yeaster bunny having a bunch of um Kvikes and lithuanian farmhouse um, cultures on, I don't know if it's a website or uh, an eBay seller, but if you just go on there and you, you search on one of these Facebook groups for the Easter Bunny or just even post on there that you're looking for something specific, somebody's going to link you to somebody that'll take care of that. And it'll be PayPal if you go through one of these guys, but and it's taken like two weeks or so sometimes for it to come in, but everything's been fine um, going in, you know, being in the in a mail truck for two weeks coming across the sea. So I haven't had any problems. So I have had really good experience. Not everyone has good experience, but um, I think for the most part, it's been really great. Um, you just need to check out these Facebook groups to find these people. And it's, it's just really easy, a quick search on the Facebook groups. I, I searched around for a while, like on Reddit, I was posting asking if anybody had sources for getting um, the original cultures because I got really interested in the original cultures reading the um, Lars blog and seeing some of these weird recipes and I, it made me really want to try um, something non-isolated and I think for the most part um, I've done my house IPA as a New England IPA with um, Voss or, num or which is number one segment and I've done it with both the culture and isolates and I, I, I haven't done a side by side but I haven't been able to taste the difference and so I think it's most of, I mean, I'd say all of these companies are very trustworthy and you're going to get something you probably couldn't distinguish between the original culture. If you really, you'd have side by side in a blind test. I don't think you could distinguish something fermented split, split it, ferment one with the number one segment and one with a Omega boss. I don't think you distinguish it. You'd have to have a really good palate to taste the difference in that, I think. And that's why I think that it is an isolate from Omega because um, Omega does Hornendal as the H strains. 
but it does Voss as the number or as one strain and number one Sigmund Voss is three strains of yeast. So I think for the most part um, you could go through it, your local homebrew shop or Omega, Yeast Bay, White Labs. I'm not sure. I don't think Y-Yeast has any Kvike yet. I'm not sure if they do. I haven't heard of Y-Yeast having Kvike. But um, it is a really cool way to get things that aren't out yet is by going through these Facebook groups because not, I mean, Omega has, I think, five um, Kvikes now, if I recall correctly. And um, there's, if you go through this list, there's like a hundred different that have been like on the um, Lars blog, Kvike registry, or I guess it's farmhouse yeast registry. If you just look at that, it goes from number one to number 64 that have been documented in the registry. Which is crazy considering he continually is finding new yeast. It, it's kind of crazy. He's, right, right. Yeah. It's it, it's insane. It's I, I You wouldn't think that this is just something in the last three, four, five years has blown up so much. I, I think it's... Been. To be honest, I've done a lot of podcasts on it because I think it's such a cool new thing in homebrewing. I think that that's, I, this is what excites me about homebrewing is all the new trends and things that come out that are really changing the way people brew beer. And I think that like the hazy IPA really changed the IPA and I watched all that happen. It's going to be really cool to see how Kvike is going to change brewing in general. Uh, We're going to look back at this time in five years and be like, whoa. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I definitely believe it. It's it's just crazy. I mean, I still see people that haven't tried it or haven't heard of it, and I, I don't know how they haven't heard of it at this point. It's, it's, it's crazy. It is. It is. But, you know, there was a time when Saisons were the new cool thing, too, right? So, right, it's right. It's kind of cool. Well, yeah, and I don't uh, think... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, James, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I feel like uh, this was a very informative conversation considering uh, you, you've done such a, a really cool job of learning how to repurpose these types of yeast and kind of create a cool library of them. Uh, if we were to want to connect with you, is there a place where we could maybe follow your brewing adventures? Um, I have an Instagram page. It's just Lake Fork Brewing. And I am, I try to post on there often, at least on the, the stories, so you can see that I'm brewing every week. But um, that, and I have a little blog that I've been working on, but it's pretty weak at this point. I'm just having fun with it. I just really love anything beer. So if you're ever looking for yeast or want to try something out, um, I'm always welcome. You can send me a message on my Instagram page and I'll happily send you five grams of something to try out. So. That's awesome. So you might get a lot of requests because you're now on a podcast talking about it. <laughs> well, we'll see. I've got, I've got plenty. So that's awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and we'll have you back again. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. I'd like to thank James for taking the time to come on this week's show. I think we had a great conversation and I learned a lot about some new resources when it comes to all things Kvike. And speaking of those resources, if you look in the show notes or you head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and click on the post for this episode, 
I will put listed there links to those Facebook groups and other resources on finding different types of kvike. I think this is a great place to learn some new things. Also, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All one word, homebrewing DIY. Also, if you head over to the website, homebrewingdiy.beer, click on the feedback tab and fill out the form. If you fill out our form and get us some information, hey, you never know, we might read it on the air. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.